Welcome everyone to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through his word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning into the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate every single one of you. And now, let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, brand new episode. I'm glad you're here with me today, and I hope the week has been treating you well so far. Last week, we began a three-part series called Love. And we're exploring different areas of love according to God's holy word. The first part is called What is Love? That was last week. So I would encourage you, if you did not listen to that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that and then come back to this one. But we are at part two now. And last week, I did something a little bit different. I kind of left it off with a little bit of a cliffhanger. And I actually really enjoy those. But last week's question was, what is love? And our main scripture text was in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. As most of us know, that is more well known as the love chapter of the Bible. But how I left it off last week, as I said, the more excellent question is, who is love? Who is love? We're going to find that out in just a minute here. So... If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. And while you're getting there, I'd like to encourage you, if you listen to this show, it's best to have your Bible with you. We go everywhere in Scripture, mostly the New Testament, but... I would encourage you to have your Bible out ready to go. So 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, and this is what it says. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Okay, so let's break this down for just a minute here. Verse 7, we need to understand that love is heavenly because it is from God. It is from God. Verse 8, though, answers our question we asked last week and we just asked just a few minutes ago. We asked, who is love? Verse 8 says, God is love. Love is from God and God is love. We often ask about what God is like. Well, if we look back in our text from last week in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verses 4 through 8, we can replace the word love for God because he is love. So let's look at it. God is patient. He is kind. He is not jealous. He does not brag. He is not arrogant. He doesn't act unbecomingly. He doesn't seek his own. He is not provoked. He does not take an account a wrong suffered. 
He does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. He bears all things. God hopes all things. God endures all things. And God never fails. And everything we read last week, you can substitute God for the word love with all those characteristics. And it shows you a glimpse of how wonderful and amazing our God truly is. So that was a little bit of a snippet from last week. But we often ask that question, what is God like? Well, the only way you're going to know that is if you get in the word. But that verse 4 through 8 in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, gives a very beautiful view of who God is and his characteristics. Today, however, we are going to look at seven ways God shows us his love. Number one, God created the heavens and the earth. God created heavens and the earth. In Genesis 1-1, first book of the Bible, first chapter of the Bible, first verse. This is how God shows us his love. Listen to this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So, people, we have to understand that God is so abounding with love that he created a beautiful world for his creation to see his glory. I want you to take a minute and think of the most beautiful place you've ever seen on this earth. I want you to think of the most amazing animal on this planet. And taking that a step farther, all those things were created for his glory, but also for our enjoyment. We as parents love to spoil our kids we love seeing the big smiles on their faces. And, you know, that's why we go on vacations and we go to these beautiful destinations that have breathtaking views. And it shows the glory of God that he formed all these things by his will. With the intentions of putting us on this earth so that we can enjoy it. Because he loves that much. Number two, God created us in his image. Number two, God created us in his image. We're still in Genesis, but we're just going to move 25 verses down to verse 26. I want you to listen to this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Also verse 27, God created man in his own image in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. I cannot think of a more, gracious and loving thing to do 
than for an almighty, holy, righteous, powerful God to create people with his image. And a key word in verse 26 that I want us to focus on, when God says in verse 26, let us make man in our image, that shows that God is more than one, in which we believe that God is a trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And how amazing, how amazing is it that the God who created all things loved so much that he created people in his image. Isn't that wonderful? And you know, we have to take this a little bit step farther because we go deeper here. But we need to keep in mind that because we all are made in the image of God, every single person, we need to show love for others because when we sin against other people, we are sinning against God himself. That's something we need to take into account there. Number three, God provided his son as the source of salvation. We are going to go to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is the way to the Father. He is the source of salvation. And God gave his son so that we shall not perish but have eternal life. That is so awesome. And as a father, I don't know if I could do that. There's, I can say it right now. There's no way I could do that. There was no way I would give up my sons for sinning people. There's no way. There's no way. But that shows how much he loves us and how divine his love truly is. Let's go ahead and look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. This is what it says. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. And I like verse 11 here. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. Outside of Christ, we are destined for wrath. But thanks be to God that Jesus is the only way to the Father, the only way of salvation. And that our destination is not for wrath, but to obtain salvation. That's awesome stuff. Now let's go to Acts 4.12. Acts 4.12. It says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other name. 
Jesus is the absolute source of salvation. Our faith in him and him alone is the only way we'll be saved. Not by works, not by any other means that we do, but by putting our trust and faith in him completely. Before we go any further, let's go ahead and recap the last three ways God shows us his love. Number one, God created the heavens and the earth. Number two, God created us in his image. And number three, God provided his son as the source of salvation. Any one of those could be a podcast episode in itself. But nonetheless, let's move on. Number four, God adopted us into his family. God adopted us into his family. I will just tell you right now that this is probably one of my favorite points of this whole entire episode. And the fact that we get to be adopted into his family goes beyond all understanding. So with that being said, let us now look at John, the first chapter, verses 12 through 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I want to emphasize on verse 12. But as many as received him, receiving him into your heart, declaring him as Lord, putting your total, complete trust and faith in him and him alone as the only means of salvation. That's what that means right there. To them, he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. You have to believe upon his name fully. And then we become children of God. What greater title could you possibly have in this world other than a child of God? There is none. There is none. And that's the promise. Let's go ahead and look at Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 15. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Now listen to verse 17. There's a lot coming our way here. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Did you catch that? A lot of amazing stuff just happened right here. Let's break it down. Verse 15. We are not receiving a spirit of slavery. Our spirits are enslaved to sin outside of Christ. But when we are in Christ, and He is our life, and He is the means by everything which we do, and who we are, listen to this. 
we receive a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And that Abba, Father there is a sense of endearment. And basically, we get to cry out to our Father in the words that we know very well as little children would use as Daddy or Papa. And as much as we don't do that when we get older, but in stressful situations, when very heart-wrenching times come our way, a lot of times we go to our parents and we don't really come out and say that, but we're looking for that. Daddy, will you please help me? I don't know what to do. I am so lost. I need you. That's what we have in Christ to God the Father. Isn't that amazing? And then it gets even better. And then the Holy Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit reminds us of that. You are a child of God now. There is nothing to fear. And then, if it couldn't get any better, 17, listen to this. This is amazing. We're not just children. We're heirs and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, if we are actually his, true believers in Christ, so that what? We may also be glorified with him. People, this is the greatest news on earth. You could consider yourself at times to be the lowest of the low. You could have a job that makes you feel inferior. You could have family that makes you inferior, friends that make you feel inferior, that you're feeling worthless and that nothing and no one can give you hope. I got news for you. God created this world for us, point number one. Number two, he created us in his image. Three, he gave his son as the source of salvation. And here we are at point number four. He's adopting us into his family. If we are true believers and followers of Jesus Christ, you're not a nobody. God thought so much of you that he sent his son that you can be his adopted child. That is high honor, people. It's the highest honor. You can be fellow heirs and co-heirs with Christ, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. Wow. Wow. We are undeserved royalty. And the fact that we as sinners who ought to be condemned but are shown mercy and will reign with Christ? I'm speechless. I'm completely speechless. And the thing is, I've known this for so long, but that's why we need to go back and read the scriptures and read the scriptures over and over and over again because these promises are renewed every day. It says in scripture that his mercies are new every day. Here it is. No one is going to offer you what God is offering you. No one on earth is going to say, hey, I'm a billionaire. I'm going to adopt you into my family. I'm going to give you everything that I have. No one's going to do that. No one's going to do that. God is. And guess what? His streets are made of gold. He has a mansion with your name on it. That's just a 
a little glimpse of the future glory that we will have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, let's go ahead and move on to point number five. The fifth way God shows us that he loves us is he will never leave us. He will never leave us. I'm not sure about you, but at times when we've had relationships in the past, and it doesn't have to be a husband-wife thing, boyfriend-girlfriend, it could be friendships, it could be a father-son, mother-daughter, you go all down the list. In those relationships, at times, you might wonder, are they going to be here? Are they always going to be here for me? Will they forsake me if I do this, if I do that? God will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. John 14, 18 is the first scripture we're going to go to. John 14, 18. Also, John, the 14th chapter is an amazing chapter. And verse 6 is my favorite verse that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But in verse 18, I want you to listen to this. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. What a wonderful promise. He's not going to leave us as orphans. And how many people in your life can you confidently say will never leave you no matter what? It's a good question. How many of your friends that you've attached yourself to, that you listen to, that you spend your time with, will remain with you when times get hard? Or what you offer on the table is not good enough? Are they going to stick around? Let's look at Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Very powerful words here. And you know, something that we need to take away from this is God will never desert us. And this leaves us with peace and contentment because if we have God, what else do we need? We don't need anything else. We could be homeless out on the street. And if all we had is Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are the richest people on planet Earth. Let's move on now to point number six. And that is, God makes us like his son. So the sixth way God shows us he loves us is he makes us like his son. Please turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 29, also the 30th verse. 
bonus points if you could beat me there. Haven't said that in a while. All right. Boy, I love the Lord, don't you? Such amazing promises. Amen. All right. Starting in the 29th verse. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. When we're talking about God is making us like his son, and we're talking about verse 29 where it says, being conformed to the image of his son, that is called sanctification, my friends. And we are going to do an episode on sanctification, God willing, soon. But sanctification means setting apart or the process of making holy. And who's holier than Jesus Christ? I'll wait. Nothing. And here's the other thing, too. John 17, 17. Now, this is a very great verse. Very short but so profound. I want you to listen to this. Jesus is praying for the disciples, but he's also praying for us as well in the future. I want you to listen to this because we're talking about sanctification here. The 17th verse says this, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So God and his word will work in conjunction with the power of the Holy Spirit to conform us into the image of his glorious, perfect, holy son. That is absolutely amazing. And going back to verse 30 in Romans, the eighth chapter, he predestined us, he called us, he justifies us. And then at the end of all things, when our time on this earth is up, that means the purpose in which we were made for, according to God's will, has been accomplished. Then we will be glorified. Amen to that, right? That's awesome. And lastly, I want us to jump to 1 Peter 1.14. 1 Peter 1.14. And if you can't tell, <laughs> uh, anytime I get in God's word, I am just reminded of how much he loves us and how great he is and what he's done for us and continues to do for us. So 1 Peter 1.14, this is what it says, also going into verse 15 as well. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Verse 16. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. The only way that we can be holy is if we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit is indwelling in our hearts and the Holy Spirit sanctifies us 
through the work of the word in the heart. And like children, we ought to reflect our father. And being holy and of love is how we reflect God. Because going back to our first piece of scripture in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. So people should look at us and say, he is love. She is love. And who are we reflecting? God. So as we recap up until point number seven, number one of the way God shows us his love. He created the heavens and the earth. Number two, God created us in his image. Number three, God provided his son as the source of salvation. Number four, God adopted us into his family. Number five, God will never leave us. Number six, God makes us like his son. And last, but certainly not least, point number seven, the way God shows us that he loves us is heaven. Is heaven. I want you to listen to Revelation, the 21st chapter, verses 1 through 5. And people, we go through hardships, we go through struggles, we have anxieties, we have stresses, we have worries, we have health problems, and there's so many things, and there's so many people that are going through so much difficulty but I promise you, brothers and sisters, that in the end, it is all going to be worth it. I want you to listen to these verses here, starting in the first verse. I want you to listen. Okay. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death. There will no longer be any more mourning, or crying, or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And I'm going to include the sixth verse here. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, and beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirst from the spring of the water of life without cost. A sub point for point number seven. Number one, we will live with God. Number two, he will wipe away our tears. Number three, no longer will there be death, mourning, crying, or pain. And number four, he is making all things new.
I'd like to challenge you at this time that if you are struggling to figure out what life is all about and you're going through trials and you're experiencing the world and it's not comforting you, it's not satisfying you, it's making you feel empty and you have this void in your life and you don't know how to fill it. So you try all these things and it just fails every single time. So you jump from one thing to another and to another and to another. And you find yourself in a state of unhappiness and there's no joy. And eventually it turns to hopelessness. But I'm here, brothers and sisters, to tell you that God loved you so much that he thought of you before time began that he was going to create you. And that not only that, he's going to give you opportunities to experience his love to the max. He created this world for us. Point number one. Number two, he made us into his image. Number three, he provided his son as a source of salvation. Number four, he adopts us into his family. Number five, he will never leave us. Number six, he makes us like his son. And lastly, number seven is heaven. Everything that we go through on this earth is for the will of God, for the glory of God. And if we remain in Christ, we are faithful to him. Yes, we're not perfect. Yes, we're not righteous and holy. But Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross gave us that righteousness. And the Holy Spirit inside of us will sanctify us. And once that work is completed, we will be glorified in heaven with God, the Holy Spirit, and the Son. Yes, amen, and hallelujah. And what did it say in verse 6 in Revelation? Without cost. He loves you that much that he doesn't require you to be in a 12-step program of holiness before he accepts you. But I will tell you this. Following Christ does come with a cost. Not silver, not gold, but it comes at a cost. But I promise you, brothers and sisters, that the cost is so worth it. And heaven is going to be a place that we can't even imagine right now. The most beautiful place on this earth doesn't even compare to how wonderful and amazing, glorious, and spectacular heaven is going to be. On this earth, we have pain, mourning, because there's sickness and there's death. We're not going to mourn anymore. No more loved ones are going to die. There's going to be no more tears. 
And you know what else to finish it off? No more pain. No more pain. This life can be a struggle. But how do we overcome the world? By believing in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And until God willing next week, God bless you, my friends.